Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, March 24th. Yesterday, I thought it was still February. It is March 24th. We are here live. It's going to be a freaky, free-for-all Friday. We have the entire varsity team here today. We've got Henry and Joel. Who else do we have? Oh, yeah, that other guy. He's with us this week, too. So we're going to get to it. Well, you know what? I'm just going to start bringing people in right now. Henry, you're first up on the board this week. Welcome back. Good to be back, Kevin. I'm thinking with you three here, I could probably just hit mute on my microphone and go take a nap and nobody's going to notice. All right. I'll, I'll moderate. How about that? <laughs> there you go. All right. What's, uh, you know what? We're just going to have fun. We're going to bring everybody in before we start talking this morning. So here's that other guy, John. Great to have you. Hey, guys. Glad to be back. Yeah. How's the racing been going? Fantastic. Just finished third at the 12 hours of Sebring. That Did really you good. really? So That's a big deal. Yeah. Good week last week. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really that's big a, deal. That's yep. a big yeah. deal. Wow. That's a, how yeah, long has that, that race, race been going on? That race tough one, man. 70 years. I, I thought that race had been around. That's in Ohio, right? No, no. Sebring Se- is in uh, Florida. It's on an old air base in Florida. I was, I think, in Ohio. I know I've heard of that race forever, but yeah. for, is, there must be a Sebring, Ohio that yeah. I've been to. It's, yeah, it's, I think, seven, I think this was the 71st anniversary yeah, of it. I thought it had uh, been yeah, around a long a, time. One of the few tracks in the States that's kind of in the model of a lot of the stuff over in England. It was a, uh, it was an Army Air Corps air base in during World War II, and decommissioned most of it. And there's still an airstrip there, but the you know the, the Army left it right after the war, and left all these really cool uh, taxiways and stuff uh, that got turned into a racetrack immediately. So, now, so it's been racing there nonstop since after the war. I know where Sebring is. I lived there. Maybe that's why I'm confused. I thought it was in you know where I yeah. lived, and I was thinking Ohio. I lived in Florida. <laughs> Another yeah, place. That it you was lived. the other yeah. place that I lived. So. Yeah, that's what it was. So you know what? Uh, you know what I'd love to see. I'd love to see a comparison of the statistics from the first race against this one. That'd be hilarious. That's probably out there somewhere. I bet I it is. Dig that up. Yeah. yeah. I bet that'd be interesting. We uh, we had a we 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 had no serious mechanical failures. We got good fuel mileage. We. At a one stop, we we got tagged. Some someone rear-ended us at a restart and knocked very little damage, but the damage it did took our tail lights out. So oh. it caught the little part, the little aerodynamic device we call a cheese wedge that goes behind the rear tire, and the, it also houses the tail lights. And whenever the computer senses that extra load when it tore the tail lights off, it gets shorted a wire briefly. And modern race cars don't have fuses. We don't. You know, fuses are they're just a liability. Like something they they could fail and take something out. Yeah. But the computer, <laughs> what we call the power distribution unit that, that controls everything on the car, senses an extra load on something and shuts it off. So we might have been able to reboot the car on track had we had a yellow, meaning like just kill it and yeah. start it back up at speed, and maybe get the lights back. But that wasn't to be. So we had uh, had to come in and and repair them, and then we actually had to hang some new lights on the back of the car and lost three laps. And wow! Had we not done that, we would have won. Would have won. Wouldn't won overall. We'd won our class. Yeah, we were third in class. 
but regardless, it's still still a fairly big deal. And uh, that race is interesting in that it's got a even more so than Daytona 24 Hour. It's got a serious international flavor. Uh, it's it's a race that draws manufacturers from everywhere because the track is such a bitch. It's, okay, like I said it's. Uh, World War, World War II era concrete. They've never repaved it. Um, you know, so some of the stuff, some of those, ter- you know, it's it, it's really cool. If you ever want to look, you Google Earth it and check out the uh, hey. the way it's laid out. Hey, uh, real quick, John. It's, it's a really neat place. Hold yeah. On, hold on one second. I said I was going to bring everybody in so we could all talk all over each other. And then I forgot about Joel. Okay. So he's sitting there yelling at his, his mic right now <laughs> saying, come on, let me in. Good morning, Joel. Go to town, Joel. Yeah. <laughs> hey, how you guys doing? <laughs> hey, just for anybody out in the great state of Colorado real quick, there's a pretty major accident on Vail Pass westbound. Looks like a set of doubles got all cranked into a couple other trucks, and it's a pretty major accident. So just thought I'd give people a heads up that might be in that area. Is it just me or do these major pileups seem to be getting worse every year? We've, we've, we've had some big ones this year. We had one in Portland, which is almost unheard of. Well, when you get more trucks and more cars on the road running more miles, I, yeah. I suppose you're going to see this more often. I don't think there's any way around that. Yeah, pretty crazy, the big ones. What a mess. When you think about that, when they've got you know, 40 or 50 vehicles in these things. What a mess that must be. Yeah, I can't tell the actual number of vehicles by the pictures that are posted, but it opened these trailers up like a can opener, and it's got stuff just all over the place. Oof, so it's, wow. uh, it's going to be closed. 70 will be closed for a while westbound anyway. So. Got it. Just a right, heads up. That reminds Ch- me, Joel, first for safety, Joel, they need to ban white trailers because did you ever notice in most of these crashes, majority of trailers are white? I, yeah, Henry, that's, that's you are what absolutely it is. correct. And I'm starting right. I'm, I'm starting a new group. It's always a white trailer. White trailer. Yep. <laughs> I'm never going to pull another white trailer. <laughs> Although that, that that orange one looked interesting behind the behind the purple haze there. Uh, that, was, that was quite a color combination. Well, that was right. just a, a right. safety play. I'm, I'm more concerned about safety than my style, right? There you go. Hey, hey, hold on a second. I know we're just supposed to be talking over each other, but John, go back to. The, I want to hear the end of the race story. Oh, so so we uh, aside from that one stop, uh, we we stayed out of trouble. We got good fuel mileage. We stretched our our stints usually, you know, as much as a lap more than our competitors, maybe two. Uh, and you know, just, just had the guys conserve fuel from the beginning, you know, which doesn't look fancy on pace, but then we, all of a sudden, you know, we're, 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 we're up front, you know, it's, it's, it's really fun, uh, the, the endurance racing stuff and the little things that go into it and the strategizing and so forth. And, you know, do we come in on every yellow? Do we sit one out once in a while? You know, there, there's just always a little something you could, you can do to gain an advantage or, you know, mess up and get. And have a disadvantage, but regardless. But you know, I was calling the whole race. It was it was fun. It was, oh, it was yeah, it was really really good one. Yeah, and like I said, the international thing. So that the track, you know, not because it's nice. I hope I don't offend anybody in Central Florida, but the place is a shithole. <laughs> it's humid. It's buggy. It. You know, I like get a rash when I go there, and my yeah, allergies go yeah. crazy. And you know, pretty much licked my allergies here with my local local bee pollen. But it, it's been winter time, right. and I've been off of that, and I don't think it would have done me much good in Florida anyway. 
But, uh, you know, I get there and, you know, my eyes start to water and my nose run and there's stuff biting my ankles. And, you know, it's just, it's, you know, there's, you know, the little neighborhood we stayed and we rented a house, you know, it, it's not nice. It all, just isn't. I don't care what anyone says. I mean, okay, the sun shines and it's hot and there's some palm trees, but really is not a nice place. All you need uh, to finish. But you get this the- huge influx of Europeans and stuff and this whole crazy thing goes on there. It's just, it's just an awesome event. It's really fun. It sounds like it. All Go you on. needed to finish <laughs> the, uh, the Florida experience was to get attacked by a bunch of fire ants. Oh, fire ants, yeah. <laughs> so, so, a couple, couple weeks prior. <laughs> uh, here's I, was, that, I was found in Homestead for some Ferrari Challenge stuff before that. Yeah. You know, South, South Florida. And we found this, this cool, very Cuban restaurant bar that was on, on like one of the only, you know, ocean accesses near, near, near Homestead. It was the closest uh, waterfront place we could go eat one night. And those those bugs that live in the sand, whatever those things are, like chewed my ankles up while I was having dinner. Like oh, it was, yeah. it was cra- they may as well yeah. have been fire ants. <laughs> well, here's the difference with crazy. fire ants. So if you stand still too long in Florida and you are anywhere near a fire ant mound, they get aggressive. They will come after you. The weird thing about them <laughs> is you feel a bite and the bites hurt. I mean, you know you're getting bit by something. When you feel the first bite, you look down and there are 30 of them. You're like, how did they get on there without me knowing it? And then I think they have a signal. They all bite at once. I'm like, how did that happen? How did I not feel 30 of these things on my feet? Yeah, they're, they're bad. That's, uh, yeah, they're, they're tough. I personally have not had a, been by many fire ants. I've not been attacked by fire ants. Yeah, they're, I have they're a rough. fire ant story since we're, go- we're, 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 we're in the weeds already. Yeah, right. Uh, we were testing a little track in, in Savannah, Georgia, and a young driver in the car, and he, he went off on the last turn. It's his long sweeping turn, and it's really high speed. And if you go four off, you just keep the car straight as possible and ease it back on the track. It's, it's really no big deal. You just get some grass in the side pods and stuff. Well, he went off there. And scooped up what appeared to be a bunch of dirt in the left side pod. And my mechanic leaned up. So this, this is full of dirt. Uh, uh, yep, I know what's coming. He scooped a whole bound of fire ants up. And the car was infested with them. Oh. So, so Gene, my mechanic, reaches down to clean the side pod out and clear the radiator. And he gets up and his arm is they covered. In, and right. about the same time... The driver was still strapped into the car, and about the same time, he starts getting bit through his suit. So he unstraps, and he jumps out of the car like he's on fire. So I had a mechanic and the driver both jumping around as if they were on fire. And it was it was crazy, and it was just the fire ants, yeah. I, I stepped aside. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere near that. You can't. You go to, you go to, if you get a lot of them on you, you go to brush them off, and then they're all on your hand. They, like, stick to you. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. yeah I, I, like I said, I haven't experienced that and I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Right. What? Uh, but, oh, cool. something else. I was going to talk about this. I don't It has nothing to do with much of anything, but it's Friday. So I've talked about this a little before. I've got this app on my phone that monitors solar activity on the sun for like big sunspots and interference kind of events and, and that kind of stuff. I've had it on there for probably, I don't know, six or seven years. I get alerts now and then, you know, we're going to have a, a minor solar storm is hitting the earth right now. And it's even got a kind of like a display and it shows you what part of the earth it's hitting at the time. I get alerts once, 
sometimes twice a week, sometimes I'll go a month without anything, but they're, they're pretty minor. The other thing that they can predict really accurately is where you might see the Northern Lights. So yesterday, oh, cool. I got my first like extreme alert, like it was a moderate to extreme solar storm that was going to be hitting the Earth. Now, it wasn't hitting us at all here in this country, but it's interesting because I woke up this morning and Twitter is loaded with pictures of the Northern Lights. People in North Dakota saying, you know, they've lived there for 15 years and haven't seen them. And they had huge displays in North Dakota last night. Some of the pictures are pretty awesome. So a lot of solar activity right so now. Kevin? Yes. I'm, I'm guessing because you have a solar storm app on your phone that that qualifies you to be president of Geek of the Month. Club. I think it might. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm guessing. It's, it's, I'm not sure how many people are out there solar storm warning, but okay. <laughs> it's one of those things. We, we, we could be, our power grid could be taken out by one of these. This is not out of the question at correct. all. In yes. fact, they, they say at some nope. point it will happen. It's just a numbers game. The last time it happened in 18, I don't know, the 1860s, I think it was, it was called the Carrington event. And the only real modern technology we had at the time was telegraph. That's how we communicated. We had telegraph mm -hmm. lines all over the country. There were like sparks shooting out of the telegraph boards. The, the operators were getting burnt. The, the, the solar oh, storm wow. was so intense. They claim if we had one of that intensity, it would probably take out our entire power grid. And they're not sure what else it might take out. It might take out cars with computer chips. We don't know for sure. What the, and it's really hard to test. It's the same thing like an EMP can take out all this stuff. But we don't know exactly what or how much power it takes because you can't really test this stuff. Right. So, Joel, it, it mm -hmm. seems as though you were right in the nomination there, and he already had a prepared speech for the acceptance. There, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so Bye. now here's something. Uh, I, I, remember, don't know if, I don't know if this has anything to do with anything or not probably putting on my tinfoil hat here, but so yesterday I'm getting all these warnings in the next couple of days. It's kind of a little all over the board with the solar activity. And last night, Lisa says, oh, by the way, tomorrow. Oh, shoot. I forgot about that. We have to quit at 10 today, I think. Um, I was supposed to hook. I didn't do it. So at 10 o'clock today, we got a warning that they're turning off our power grid here all day today. All they claimed was some sort of emergency. Oh. I don't know if they claim. I'll have to look at it because I didn't see it. Lisa saw it, but she said something about some emergency and they're turning it off today. So we're not going to have power. And I thought they're not doing that because they're worried about the solar activity, are they? We produce our own power. Uh oh, Here we go. I mean, our, our little town of, of uh, 1,500 people, maybe, we have our own power here. We get it. We buy it from the dam, which is right down the, I mean, it's, you can almost see it from here. We buy the power from the dam and, and we manage the power in the city. When I was on city council, that was a big part of what we did. We had to hire electrical workers and line workers and set rates. And it's kind of weird for such a little town, but I'm wondering if that's why they're doing this. 
to protect the grid? I don't think so. Could be. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to do a little digging. I doubt it. I I really doubt it. At 10 uh, today, we're probably going to go off the air. Oh, I know I decided not to do it. I got thinking about how many things I'd have to power up just to stay on the air. Normally, I would just go out to my coach if we thought we were going to have a problem, but it's not here. Because um, I've got to get routers and all kinds of other junk powered up to be able to do this. I need multiple internet connections. So we're just going to have to end at 10 today. Or we'll keep going until they turn the power off. Maybe that's what we'll do. We'll just wait till they take us <laughs> off the air. There you go. There you go. <laughs> all right. We've got so calls. Kevin, I got, go ahead, I, Henry. I, I got a little something interesting that I've been doing over the last couple of weeks that I got a dash cam that with the inward facing as well. And as you know, I'm on my own authority. That was by choice. And it has artificial intelligence in it. And it's pretty funny because I've been messing with it some. Like if I reach my hand over and keep it over at the dash, it sends me an alert later that that was a coachable event that I was distracted. Or when I was out on some open road and there was no traffic around me and it was a beautiful sunrise. I guess I looked at one area for too long and it picked that up as being distracted. It's pretty interesting how it works. Yeah. So the whole AI thing, you know, I started talking about this a a couple of months ago. I am shocked by how fast all of this AI technology is being implemented. pretty amazing i mean and part of it i got it to protect you for the liability reasons but i'm really using it my goal is to not have any coachable event and and it's funny your first reaction like it said you're too close well you look at the film i'm farther away than anybody right (laughs) that wasn't the right attitude (laughs) you know One of the things that we learned on these cameras, just real quick here, and this is what drives um, drivers just batty. So we are so used to thinking in terms of distance and not time. And so we right. could have the exact same following distance, yep. but if our speed varies, then you start to get these events. And it's almost impossible to get drivers to wrap their mind around this. They want to fight and argue and bitch and complain. They, they don't get the time aspect because we don't see in time, obviously. We, we, we see in distance, and we just don't take that into account. And it, it gets really so, challenging with some of these systems. Yeah, it does. I'll Joel, tell the you. The other I, one on the collision mitigation that they don't – that I find when I'm explaining to drivers how to drive with collision mitigation – is that time and distance and speed really don't have a lot to do with it. Rate of closure. So if, if you're doing 75 and closing up on something that's doing 35, it reacts way farther back. And yep. th- that's yep. the other aspect of it, that so, there is no display on it, of the rate of closure. So I had yep. this technology back in a truck in 01. When I built an 01 Freightliner back then, I had the smart cruise all of this technology on it, I was very impressed. And Henry, you just talked about rate of closure. So if if a car were to pass me, and you know how sometimes they immediately shoot right back over in the right lane, you know, almost taking off your bumper. They're so close. 
it wouldn't react to that. <laughs> it could sense no. that that vehicle, even though it was so close to me, it was moving away. There was no rate of closure at all, and it wouldn't react. I was actually pretty impressed with that. Somebody cutting you off almost never set it off as long as they were going faster. The, I, I, like I said, I'm shocked that we still have all of these driver complaints about this technology and, and misfires. I had almost none of that back in 01. I was actually pretty impressed with this technology, but every single time a new driver got in that truck, they'd call me. Usually they wouldn't even wait till the end of the day. They'd call me this thing is driving me crazy. This alarm's going off all the time. And I'd say, oh, okay. Well, this Sunday, then we're going to have a retraining (laughs) session for your driving skills. And they'd be like, what? What? No, it's that stupid device. No, it's not. you, You are spot on with this, but the problem, the overarching problem goes back to what we've talked about multiple times. When you pay a guy by the mile, yep, and then right. now you want have him consider his time and distance and safety, ain't going to happen. They're not going to be real happy about that. No, they weren't. You know, you know right. one no, side of your mouth, great. we're saying, be productive, be productive, be productive. And, oh, by the way, we're going to penalize you when you're not. It's a problem. So, yeah, yeah. you know, you're, we've trained guys to think a certain way for nope. decades. And then we try to introduce other technologies that want us to break that train of thought. And it doesn't go over very well. No, it really doesn't. When you say about that with the training, for really the better part of a century. Right. And here, yeah, you know, you're, go, go, go. here is the problem with maintaining the proper following distance for the speed, which is the big factor that everybody gets all screwed up. You get up to 70 in a truck and you better have quite a bit of spot stopping room. The problem is, and we all know this, you leave that much space and somebody jumps into it. And it feels like you're going to go backwards at a, at yes, a certain yes, point. Yes, but, yes. But here's yes. what I found. And, and, here's what I found. When I, at 57, that's almost never a problem. Yes. <laughs> it never, never happens. Right. It's never, you're exactly right. It's 62 is right about that, that cutoff limit on the Eastern United States closer to 68 out west most of the time but you're exactly right and we've talked about average speed versus cruise set speed and the delta between the two as you speed up that delta gets gets a little crazy so you're exactly right there is a there's a sweet spot for speed in well in traffic so to speak and there's there's no doubt that that exists and there are a lot of drivers that have the mentality in order to be safe i need to travel with the pack i've heard this argument forever if everybody's going 70 and you're going 55 you're the problem no i'm not right and and we need to get rid of that attitude because i can promise you at 70 with one of these systems and they are accurate when they're telling you you're too close you're too close. You are much more likely to, to have an accident at that point, especially today with all the distractions we have in the cab. If you're staring right at that vehicle in front of you, you may be okay. You look away for a second and that's when it occurs, you're going to hit them. That's what the system's trying to tell you. I can promise you at 70 or at any speed, if you are running with the pack, you will never stop that thing from going off because people will constantly get into that space you leave 
and it, it will not be enough then. And then you got to back off again. But if you're running less well, than the speed of the pack, that doesn't happen. The, the other well, place Kevin, where this is very challenging. Go ahead, Henry. For the drivers that think that running in a pack is the way to go, they need to watch more, and John can identify with this, they need to watch more NASCAR races at Talladega and Daytona because that whole pack, any one little thing happens, it's a... That's probably why we have these 50-car pileups all the time now. Cars and trucks. No doubt. The other, no the other doubt. place where these systems... The other place where these systems get very challenging is in rolling hills. So, you know, if you have a truck that's empty and one that's loaded and you're in rolling hills, one's slowing down a little bit, the other's speeding up, same thing with cars. And this is where it tends to give drivers a whole lot of fits because, you know, you're watching a video and they're saying, see, my distance hasn't changed at all. And this damn thing's going off and it's a piece of junk. Well, (laughs) you know, the speed's varying up and down in, in that. And even though you make, you may keep the exact distance going up the hill and then going down, maintain that same distance, but you're speeding up going down the hill and then the thing goes off and they don't under, they're not understanding why. And, and it's, it's really problematic trying to, trying to train guys to get their mind around that, especially when they see it as, Oh, you're getting into hey. my pay now because you want me to slow down going down the hill. Hey, um, especially left-hand turns, Joel, like if you're going through West Virginia, which was one of my first experiences with the system, and you're, mm-hmm. you're in the center lane doing 65 and the road curves to the left and there's a steel mm-hmm. hauler down to 35 crawling up the hill. The radar unit in the front does not know there's a turn. It's looking straight ahead. And you have mm-hmm. to interact somehow or another because it's going to see that as a slow-moving vehicle ahead of you because there is a slow-moving vehicle ahead of you, just not in your lane. Mm-hmm. Hey, I talked a little bit about this yesterday and I, I again, I don't want to brag about a company from China or autonomous technology, but we've got to stay on top of this stuff and pay attention to it. Too Simple claims they have completed 10 million miles on the road with autonomous technology, one chargeable accident in 10 million miles. Now, I understand that this is a very, very controlled environment right now, and they're overly cautious about everything, and they should be. But I don't believe that we've ever had a fleet accomplish that kind of a record. And we've been working on safety in trucks for, what, 80, 90, 100 years now. And this is the best we can do. And in their first real attempt, it looks like autonomous technology will probably be safer right out of the gate. And I believe that one accident had some goofy circumstances involved with it. Right. It probably wasn't really an accident. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they call it an accident. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) it's coming. We'll be a part of transportation. We're moving freight all over the country right now with autonomous vehicles. That doesn't mean that we're not going to have any truck drivers in 10 years. That's just not going to happen. But the autonomous technology is out there and... I've made the claim every month there's going to be more of it. I doubt at any point we're going backwards on this or standing still. I think we're going to see more and more of it all the time. The other thing I got some numbers on for the first time in a while, Nikola's battery electric cab over, not their hydrogen, their true battery electric cab over. Jim Park did a 
Weren't you in Orlando, Henry? Not Henry, Joel. No, I was in Orlando. So this this was when they, I guess they were doing test drives down there. Jim Park did a test drive. Yeah, I got to put. Did you Mm -hmm. see it? I got to put my eyeballs on it, yeah. Yeah. So he was actually really impressed with the drive. He drove it around Orlando for about an hour, loaded and bobtailing, and he was pretty impressed with a lot of things. Um, Some of the the numbers, 645 horsepower out of two electric motors, he said they didn't give him the stats on torque, but and he's pretty sharp. He was a truck driver for a lot of years. He really mechanically inclined. I trust his judgment on a lot of stuff. He says it is well north of 2,000 foot-pounds of torque at any RPM. That's, and we know that that's, mm-hmm. you know, an advantage of an electric motor, but I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah. It's got a six-position regenerative brake. And he said, with a little bit of practice, he said you can drive the truck with that brake and almost never touch the service brakes. Mm-hmm. I forget what... Would believe that. He talked about a grade somewhere. He didn't drive it, but he was talking to a driver who had it on a really long grade. Where am I? I can't remember which one it was. It was like 5 or 6% for 11 miles. I don't remember where it was, though. Mm-hmm. And he said... And fully loaded, 80,000 pounds, never had to touch the brakes. Was able to do it completely with the regenerative brakes. Here is the, they wouldn't give him an exact weight, but he said with the full battery pack, which I, if I remember, I got you somewhere between three and 400 miles of range, optimal range, it was 29,000 pounds. Yeah, that, that's right. It's, it's, it's pretty heavy and it's got the, like all the, the battery electrics out there right now, except yeah, except for the Tesla, it has this huge gap between the truck and the trailer, which obviously isn't optimal for aero, but for their intended duty cycle, you know, short, short right. regional, local stuff. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna work out pretty well, I think. By the way, just real quick before I forget, while I was at TMC, I had a really cool conversation with the folks at Conment and John I think you're going to you're going to really dig this. So they have an electrical hub motor that goes right in the wheel hub that they're powering reefers with. Um I'm going to work on a project with them to use it for motion. We're going to first power a trailer axle, then power hopefully the lift axle on the truck and then the steer axle. Um, we're just getting things kicked off. And of course I got to sign a, uh, NDA. So I don't know how much of this I'm going to be able to actually kind of report on, but, uh, whatever I can, I'll, I'll kick it back and hey. looks like we're going to get started here in the next couple months or so. Hey, be careful with those NDAs. Oh, cool. Trump, Trump might go to prison over one of those. <laughs> well, ho- hopefully if it has to do with paying off a porn star, that's one thing. But you know, over over fucking technology is another. Well, I don't think Joel's know, the, porn stars we know. Of. The, the yeah, interesting yeah. thing, though, uh, it's, <laughs> where, where are we going off the track? Last time it was Kevin's fascination with robots. It's, uh, well, it's, it's kind yeah, of interesting that technically, I met not that, porn of. Okay, come on. Really, 
There was nothing <laughs> illegal about that. Technically, it was nothing more than an NDA. And, and we've all signed them. I've got a bunch of them. John, I'm sure all of us have, have an NDA yeah. somewhere. We work with oh, companies. Oh, I have. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We all yeah, do. I do. Yeah. We all do. It's a common thing. This is no different. Really, that's the legal answer to this. That was nothing more than an NDA. Just don't disclose what happened. That's all it was. And it's not illegal. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, shoot. So one of the things about this truck that I think is a huge mistake and we're going, you know, at some point, I guess if there's no drivers in the truck, it's not going to matter. But while there's drivers in the truck, this, this truck only had one physical switch on the dash and that was the park brake. And it wasn't even a valve like we're used to. The valves are underneath. You just hit Mm -hmm. a button and it sets the park brake. That's the only physical uh-huh. button in the, on the dash. The screen is bigger than the laptop screen. I have a 16-inch MacBook that I work on all day, every day. There's a 17-inch screen in that truck. This is a horrible idea. Talk about unsafe. A physical <laughs> button, you can reach over, feel it, turn it on or off, know that it's your Jake brake switch or your headlights or whatever switch. You get pretty familiar. You know where they are. You don't even have to look. On a digital screen, you have to look every time. And then there's level uh, now wait three a menus wait in. A minute. No. Wait a minute. They're just going to say, hey, Siri, well, turn the Jake brake on. I, that, that is probably a better answer. I don't know why we're not doing that. Uh, uh, well, I'm assuming I'll give with it all time. these digital displays, yeah, that's going to at some point happen. Yeah. I mean, they, uh, right, we do it on our phones. Why wouldn't we do it on a truck? And until it does yeah. happen, we're going to have like... an increase in crashes with drivers screwing around with these giant digital screens in their truck. Uh, <laughs> I can just that, see that. It could be. So, so often when I use Siri, she says, I'm working on that. I'm working on that. Right. Working on that, yeah. yeah but try again later. Yeah, right. <laughs> try, try again later. <laughs> no, no, look, I've got 80,000 pounds and I'm on an 8% downhill grade. I really want my Jake break now. Don't tell me to try again later. I don't, <laughs> I don't have a contact in my list. Name Jake break. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So here, here's another example of, of how technology is so much more difficult than the old way we used to do things. So one of the places I go, getting ready to go do this here soon again too, wing foiling. I picked that up last year. So a couple of the places that I go to park, it's paid parking at that location. And they're all kind of remote where they're out on the river kind of thing. You know, in the old days, when you used to pull up and had to pay for parking, you took a quarter out of your cup and you dropped it in the machine and you walked away. I went to park at one of these things the other day. I had to go back and get my phone because I had my phone was in the car. I had to download an app. I had to get out my credit card and set up an account. And then Uh, it took uh, me like 15 minutes to pay for my parking. That's supposed to be an improvement? <laughs> well, you know, we've got examples of this throughout history. Remember, and we're old enough to remember the dimmer switches on the floor, right? And then they started to put them up on the steering wheel and all the talk of everybody getting their, their legs stuck in the steering wheel. You remember that? <laughs> <Never mind. laughs> oh, man. Yeah. 
I, I think these, <laughs> these big digital displays in vehicles, just a huge mistake. You're just old, Kevin. I know. Face it. I, and I'm you, a, I'm, you're you know, just I'm old, a, you know, we, I'm a tech guy, but I am starting to feel a little old around some of this stuff. We don't, we don't Kevin. think like the younger kids do that are going to, you know, embrace this stuff. And they're going to think, why in the hell would you want those switches and knobs on the dash? How stupid is that? You know, that, that's, I mean, I'm with you. I understand what you're saying, but I also know that there's the younger generation. They're just going to look at them. What we take for granted is normal. Now they're going to look at it and go, that was the dumbest thing ever. Why'd they ever do that? And it's just the way it's going to be. Not long ago, I guess it's several months ago now, I went over and I just had to move my trailer to go over two blocks away to pick up my trailer and bring it back. And my logs are on my phone. And I forgot my phone at home. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Unfortunately, it's only a mile and a half from there. And I'm like, come on. It's almost, you can't survive without your phone these days. You can't leave home without your phone anymore. Terrible. No. No. It's terrible. No, and I've actually adapted to it quite well. I've got, you know, with Apple Pay and such, I rarely get my wallet out anymore. I just scan my phone when I pump fuel in my car. And like you said, now that you have that parking app, you could just do that. I mean, you you click it even before you leave home and tell it you're going to be there and you're done and your parking's paid for and it's no big deal. So, you know, after you've downloaded the app and done all that stuff and set up the account, now it's actually easier than tossing a quarter in the machine, to be honest with you. It can be at that point. You know, it's, it's right. really but, but weird. then let's the, think you know, about the conversation this. we're having that there mm-hmm. is still more likelihood of one of those glitches when I go there the next time and the internet's down or and that's what Siri's problem is if she doesn't have a good internet connection she can't do what you ask her to do right oh, now yeah. and she'll so there there's still that idea that until this technology gets more stable you just have issues <laughs> with it and at some point it'll be stable and you'll, you know, you won't even hit the button. You'll pull up your car and it will send something on your car and charge you for parking. It will, we'll get to that point. <laughs> can, yeah. can you see it, Kevin, yeah. when, when you tell it to turn on the jig break, which is two words and it says, I can only call one person at a time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So one yeah, of the, Jake one is of the sleeping now. Probably <laughs> One of the best demonstrations that I can kind of think of is this disconnect between the younger generation, and the older generation. I'm in the family room with my mom and my daughter and my mom, she's getting older. She doesn't get out much. And she said, Oh my God, I don't have any cash in the house. She goes, I just I feel so odd without any cash in the house. And me and my daughter had left and she said, Dad, why don't you just use Apple Pay? <laughs> my daughter just could not get her mind around no why cash, she right. was having a fit about not having any cash. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, Well, what do you need it for? You know, it's just yeah, really odd. So it's just that, you know, generational disconnect with technology that I well, think every generation that, goes through at some point. Now that you brought up money, I'm I've got like, I'm really kind of confused about this whole money thing going on. You know, at one point, there's this whole thing about the Federal Reserve and, and you know, how that's some secret organization to take over the world. And there's a really good book about, well, it's a good book. It's really hard to read. The Creature from Jekyll Island is actually about the Federal Reserve System. It's pretty interesting. So 
have a hard time getting my head around that. Then there was this idea that these digital currencies, Bitcoin and, and those kind of things, were going to free us from the government. These were going to be these independent, you know, ways of paying for things. And But now it's almost looking like it's the opposite of that, that what's going to happen with these digital currencies is they're going to be controlled by the government. And everybody's afraid it's nothing more than a way of tracking everything you do with your money. It wouldn't surprise me if that's the way that ends up. So when you see this CDCC, I think is the term, um, a digital currency, I don't, but it's, it looks like it's going to be governments pushing and controlling these things. So now there's this big pushback. In fact, the, the one guy I've been talking about who announced he's running for president, Vivek Ramaswamy, it's one of his big things. He's saying, if you make me president, I will make sure there are no digital currencies in the system. He's really against them. Not so much the independent stuff, but anything controlled by the government. And you have to wonder, you know, something like a Bitcoin, if the government wanted to take them over, how would we stop them? Yeah, I agree. Now, now, you know, they now they could just turn off your form of payment for an individual. (laughs) Yeah, that's similar. Similar to, you know, what the Canadians tried, I guess, with the truckers during all the protest stuff by freezing their bank accounts and stuff. This yeah. Just how, be essentially push, pushing, pushing a button and you're done. They've got everything, maybe right? It'll go, maybe it'll go full circle, Kevin, and eventually it'll go back to the way it was. I will pay, gladly play you three goats for your whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean like uh, I'll Dude, gl- the barter uh, system will be alive and well again. Yeah. I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a cheeseburger today. Yeah. That's Papa. <laughs> yeah, there that's you right. go. That's right. Chester, Illinois. All right. Let's, uh, before we go off the rails here, let's, uh, let's bring in some callers and see what they want to add to the, yeah, we haven't gone too far <laughs> off the rails. Hey, look, trains derail once, once a week here in this country. So Fridays, we derail just to support the rail system. We run off the rails just like they do once a week. In, in solidarity. That's right. Yeah. That's right. The rail system. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're going to go That's off the rails every on Friday. That, Kevin, uh, on the news of the CP, I was just reading about that this morning, the CP and Kansas City Southern merger. Oh, yeah. I talked that, about that yesterday. Claiming that's going to take... 64,000 trucks off the road. 64,000. Claiming what I was reading today. 64,000 loads a year, and they expect that to grow once this, if it gets approved and goes into effect. We, it will be the first, I believe, rail line that can move freight from Mexico into the U.S., through the U.S., and into Canada. Yeah. On one rail line, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Big, big deal. And probably I'm on the southern end of that here in Laredo. Yeah, and and you know what they're saying is going to get hit the hardest is going to be autos and auto parts are going to get hit pretty hard. But they they also talked about with that running through there, we may see more container movements in that area, which could add to some local truck activity. 
but could take away a lot of line haul miles. Well, when you live in Laredo, the number one inland port in the country, if you bypass all the warehouses here, it, it's, a, it's a rough thing for Laredo because Laredo has nothing but warehouses and cross docking. That's it. Right. Yeah. No, this is going to, it's going to change a lot of things in transportation. So we're going to keep an eye on that. Raymond, jump in. Yes, sir. What's on your mind today? Okay. Okay. I want to talk about what you guys were talking about a minute ago there. The only way to drive safe is to drive like you or be the leader. You cannot follow the pack. Why, sir? You do, you will be in a mess. I'm certainly not going to be a leader of these packs. They're out running 85 miles an hour. Well, I'm just saying, well, then reason. You know I, what I mean? I'm not running over down 85 here's, forever in no truck habitually. No, here, here's my take on packs. I don't, want to, I don't want to be a leader. I don't want to be a follower. When I'm on the road, I'm a lone wolf. I want to be as far away from every other vehicle as I can stay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying try to practice that. You know, you can time yourself between packs. You get between the packs. You look in your mirror, and you're trying to keep the backpack off of you. No, I'm not. Oh, pack. hell no. No, I'm not trying to keep that backpack off of me. Let them come around me. Whatever, man. Let them go, yeah. And the thing I say, you say is wrong, Oh, uh, that's the Raymond, did you wake up on the wrong side of the bed this morning? I don't tell you everything you say is wrong. <laughs> you sound a little sensitive this morning. <laughs> Maybe I have a lot going on. But... All right. What's on your mind today? Now, the Volvo, the Volvo, the selling the Volvo. It is $55,000 to anyone, including you. If you want it for $55,000, fine. If not, I'll let it set and I might make a chicken house out of it. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Them. There is no bank I have to satisfy. Good. Good. So have you Except been to... The one have you been to truck paper, go into truck paper, put in your exact specs as a search? It's in a truck paper. Supposed to be in the truck paper. Supposed to be in the south, no, south, but, southeastern, okay. south central region. What I'm asking is, did you go into truck paper? Go to truckpaper.com. Click on uh, somewhere on that page. You're going to see a tiny little link that says "Detailed Search," and if you click on that, you will get a page where you can put in everything you can think of about your truck. Year, make, model, mileage, engine, transmission, tire size, differentials. I mean, you can put in everything just about in there. And then hit search and then see what your exact truck is selling for on truck paper. Did you do that to see if you're in the competitive range? No, sir. I call you, the man. I told him everything about the truck. Okay. And I expected him put down what I see. I haven't even checked the damn truck paper on it. I guess I need to get, get my ass back in gear, don't I? Well, yeah, and 
not I'm not so much worried about the details of the ad itself. Of course, you're going to check that, make sure it's all accurate. But if you want this thing to move, if you want it to sell, we want to know on truck paper, what is that truck selling for? Would be, I'll bet you'll find 30 of them for sale that are very similar to yours. What are they selling for so then you can price yours competitively? Sir, paid $55,000 for truck, then I paid $25,000 for a rebuild. I'm not going to take any less than $55,000 for it. It's okay. Well, that, cows that, come on. It, got it. Then that's fine. If, that, if, if that's, that's your number and makes, you're not coming off that number no matter what, then that's fine. That would make you a hell of a truck if you got all your favorite electronic toys in there and all that. You know, we, I mean, we've... You can go... You can probably... You know, we've been having... crashes and buy one thirty thousand if you want to. But, you know, you're not going to have the quality in it. I I would probably be very interested in it. We've been having the conversation again, Lisa and I, looking at, you know, do we want to finish the coach? It's in the shop. A lot of the work that's being done, I would do anyway if I were selling it. But some of the work we won't do if we're going to sell it. So we're getting close to that point where we have to make the decision. And I would like to go back to a tractor and then go build a trailer. And um, But I it doesn't look like that's what's going to happen. I think we're just going to end up getting the coach back the way we want it and keep that. Well, what year is the coach? Oh, seven. Oh, seven. Oh, seven. Okay. You'll be trading up nine years. Here I know. 16 I know. And that's a, that's a big reason I, I, I would like to, you know, and I don't want to buy a newer coach because the price of those are just insane. I mean, I can build a really nice, I mean, honestly, I could go buy a new Volvo and build a nice trailer, really nice custom trailer, and still be 150000 under what I'd pay for a coach. Right. And have, you can drop, you can, you can drop the trailer and turn that into a pickup truck. <laughs> I've done that. Yep, there you go. You can park a semi or you can park a dually pickup truck. Yeah. No, I, I know. We'll see. We'll see. If it's still around, I'll uh, I'll check with you. I ain't trying to talk about stuff you don't want to do. I just want to make you that offer. Fifty-five grand. That's it. Loan. Got it. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's let's keep moving here. Let's go to Ohio. Herschel, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. What's on your Joel. mind today? Oh, and the other two, John and what's the other guy's name? Henry. 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 Anyway, you were talking about following the pack, and I wasn't going to talk about this. I have questions for Joel, but there's a guy on YouTube that I watch. He's kind of entertaining. It's just a regular guy, trucking with Schmidt, and he's a pretty cool dude. He come out with a video, and I thought, and then I kept listening to what he was talking about, and, you know, his advice wasn't bad. He said, when you're out there and you're driving your truck, watch in front of you, of course. You're going to see what the Delberts are doing in front of you. See what, which one's going to pile up on top of one another. But don't use your mirrors. And I thought, Schmidt, what are you talking about? Then he went on to say, don't use your mirrors in the realm of if somebody is on your butt chasing and dodging and ducking and weaving, who, who cares? cares? Exactly. Who Set cares? Your feet where it is and wash 
wash the dip shits in front of you so you don't run into none of them, and just don't use your mirrors. And I thought, that's pretty good theory. I like that. You know, and, and I get I like what that. he's saying. It's not that you don't look in your mirrors. Of course you do. But you don't look to see. Exactly. You don't it's, allow it's, the people behind you to determine what you do. People have always said, well, if 57 exactly miles what an hour, said. you're just a rolling roadblock. I don't care. That's not my problem. I don't either. I do 55 now. Sammy Hagar's got to come up with a new song. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I used to, when I used to race, you know, they called that mirror driving. And and I raced in divisions where you weren't allowed to have mirrors. And you had way less crashes because you were worried about what's happening in front of you. Let the people behind you worry about where you were. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't you race dirt bomber car? Yeah. Yeah, me too. And your mirror is your ears. Yeah, the mirrors are your ears. You can hear the guy when he gets real close. Oh, shit, he's right there. (laughs) Hey, speaking. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, speaking of of racing since it's Friday, John, I have a very exciting announcement. In just about a a week, Forza has a big update, and it's all about rally. Which is my favorite. There's not a lot of oh, rally yeah. stuff in Forza. I love the old British style rally cars, and that's like my favorite. And they've got mm-hmm. a big update coming, so I'm kind of excited. So I'll give a plug to someone where you will appreciate this, and it's close to you. I should buy you a gift certificate and send it to you. Look up Dirt Fish Rally School. Really? You can go drive one. No way. Oh, yeah. It's just a couple hundred miles north of you. I'm yeah. telling you, it's up near Seattle. That's yeah, go to Dirtfish. A really cool thing. Yeah. love to go do that. Next time I'm out there, I'll maybe, maybe I'll just drag you there. Yeah, I know I know the guys who run it. Yeah, it's a really cool deal. All my Ferrari guys, the, the Ferrari team that I engineer for is uh, based in Seattle. So they, they go do Dirtfish all the time. I mean, they race Ferraris, but they go they go to the rally school and I guess have a course set up there where you you know they teach you everything about, you know, getting the car in there sideways and all the stuff that you do there. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. Just Google it now. You'll, you'll love it. That's my biggest problem right now. Getting the car in sideways. That's a tough skill to learn. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Yeah. Yeah. No, that would be Scandinavian flick as they call it. Yeah. That's right. That would be awesome. I'm looking at the website right now. Oh, I'm going to go do this. There's no doubt. You need. Yeah. yeah, You'll, you'll love it. I'm going to go do this. I might get hooked. Yeah, that looks like fun. <laughs> the other yeah, thing, building a rally car. The the other thing I'm really, yep. really spending a lot of time on now in for. Oh, here's the other thing. It was yesterday was Lisa's birthday. Well, two days ago was. Now it's Friday, I guess. Um, her both her and Chelsea started playing Forza, just kind of goofing around, and I didn't think they were going to be serious about it. Lisa, serious enough, I bought an entire second setup, a chair, a monitor, another <laughs> Xbox, pedals, steer. I had to buy the whole thing so I can use mine. But then the other reason is then we can race against uh. each other, too. But yeah, she's really into it. Both awesome. them are. I'm actually a little shocked. But what I've been spending a lot of time on, and I am, I am just blown away by this. It's, it's your world. The, the engineering you can go in and do and tweak these cars 
And I am shocked at how tiny little tweaks in things like alignment or arrow make huge differences. That's welcome to my world. Yeah, that's, that's what real. I mean. It's that, insane how, it how many caster, yeah. camber, I mean, every aspect of alignment, how it changes, you know, the handling of cars and corners or on the straight or if it's too bumpy. It's, I'm just blown away by how complicated, I guess it is, you know, and if you make a change in arrow, you may have to go make a change in alignment to compensate, right? It's just, you could spend a lot of time on this stuff. Yeah, yeah, for but sure. But are you going to be able to talk Lisa into being your navigator and riding in the shotgun seat in the rally car? Well, you get a, uh, the cool thing about <laughs> fours go. is you do get a caller. So I've got a trying to learn that whole language now. They've got their own language in that, too. It's kind of crazy. All hey, right, Joe. Mm-hmm. I come across a thread where a guy was um, took out a 336 and put in a 264, and you made a comment that made me want to ask you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take this one in for service here soon. I'm going to have it changed so that it goes to first gear all the time instead of trying to take off in mm-hmm. fourth. You said to turn off gear down protection, protection. would be a good place mm-hmm. to start. What is that, and should I do it? Then I have another so one, but gear, what's that? Gear down protection just will limit your speed in the, the second gear down. So being that you have an overdrive, you set your, your cruise speed and your pedal speed to, say, 70 mile an hour. What gear down protection does is they will limit your speed one gear down to say 63 to force the upshift for, for better, supposedly for better fuel efficiency. Now, this works very well when you have a truck that's geared with a 336 because if you make that downshift out of overdrive into direct, you blow the engine right off the horsepower and torque curve. As we get very aggressive with the downsped gearing, we kind of got to think about getting rid of gear down protection because the engine's comfortable um, one gear down or even two gears down in the case of iTorque. So you want to be able to use those gears instead of forcing you into an extremely low RPM situation in order to get the road speed that you want. You know, traditional gearing, gear down protection made a lot of sense with downsped gear trains, especially aggressively downsped. It, it doesn't make any sense. In fact, it's counterproductive. So 264 to me is the cutoff point where you really want to think about at 264, getting rid of gear down protection. You certainly want to get rid of gear down protection when you get down to 247, 226, 216, 205. You definitely don't want it then because it just, that ruins the concept. So if you have it turned on, um, you probably want them to shut it off. But this is the XE 2018 model year. Do you think it has it or I just have them checked? Oh, well, almost all dealers up until this point have always turned that on as a fuel efficiency play. Very few dealers on the Volvo side would, would not turn gear down protection on. You almost had to with a traditional gear train or, you know, the drivers would just go out and abuse the hell out of the truck. So most likely that's turned on. If your road speed, it's typically set five to eight mile an hour below your, your governed road speed. 
It's a lot of reasons why guys will drive a Volvo and it'll get into the hills and they'll get on the throttle and then all of a sudden it dies. They're like, oh, this thing, it won't pull. You know, it will get out of its own way. It's because the gear down protection's on and it's the computer's fuel off to the engine, essentially, at a certain speed. Interesting. And one mm-hmm. more. I was, I was in the Volvo Mac dealer there in London, Ohio, there by the TA. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to him to get it set up in the next couple of weeks to take it in for this service job. But he said something I never heard before. Have you seen this okay. one's an 18 model? It is habitual to pop up a message that says air dryer leakage. I have had it checked multiple times at different. You, you need air dryer. Mac. I just put a brand new air dryer on it. And they did more checks. They found an airline that went to the I-shift that had a problem, so they changed that. It didn't last two days. Boom, air dryer leakage is back. But then he told me something that I'd never heard before. He said that the company that I bought this from, Specs, and he called this a electronic air dryer. That's what he called it. And I said, yeah, David, what, is. what is that? What the hell is that? And yeah. Can that be done away with and put a regular air dryer no, on it? Do away with all these damn alarms. What is an no, electronic no, no, no. air dryer? Uh, Never you don't need it. to get rid of it. Well, a lot of this is because Volvo does have the electronically controlled suspension. Yours is probably not. The liftable 6 by 2s are. And so it's got to look at certain air pressure parameters to make the logic work right in the lift axle, yada, yada, yada. And that air dryer should be working just fine. Obviously, you've got an issue somewhere. We've run these for years. We do get an occasional truck like you're talking about that will pop the messages, and it's generally an air leak somewhere, or the valve is getting weak in the uh, the tank that, that allows for it to pop off. I can't remember the name of the piece, but it's in the air Unloader tank. Valve. You hear. Yeah, they'll get weak. And you replace that, and a lot of times that'll take care of the problem as well. Otherwise, listen, if you go to a regular air dryer and you have that leak and you're not getting a warning, the only thing that you've accomplished is you still have an air leak. Ignorance is bliss at this point. Now your air compressor is running all the time to fill the air tank, and you're wasting it that way. So, you know, everybody wants to bust on the electronic stuff. This is just telling you, yeah, you still have a problem that, that you've got to find. Um, it can be frustrating at times, there's no doubt, but it's, it's better to know you have a problem and get it fixed right than to, you know, just drive around and pretend that we don't have a problem at all. But what's really odd, because I pull these junky-ass containers, and mm-hmm. you go up the road, and you hear and you find a leak on the trailer. Well, what is that? It's an air leak. Mm-hmm. So you get rid of that trailer, and you have nothing but the truck. And you've even turned it off and then turned it back on, and boom, the message will come back. Well, evidently the trailer wasn't causing it. And then other days, you get rid of the trailer, and it's still popping up. It's, it's, it's weird. Might well, go two weeks, never do it, and then it'll do it every day for two weeks. It's all oh, it's so Early weird. on, we had bought a one of those bionic ears and have a quiet room where we roll the truck into to find every little air leak on them because occasionally you get one that's hypersensitive to that and you'll, you'll get that. And I'll tell you, it's a bit sometimes to find those air leaks without that listening device. Um, I guess I just take it for granted because we've had it for so long and we've used it for so long. We don't 
see that issue anymore because we're able to find every stinking little air leak on the truck and get it taken care of in short order. I'm assuming probably up on top of the transmission is one of the places where they like to leak that you can't hear and it's a bitch to get to and people kind of ignore it. That may be part of it. You may have the weak unloader valve going on. And you may, I don't know if the actual, there is a setting, a pressure setting for the, the governor for the air system. Uh, check to see where you're at. That should be at 100, at least 125 pounds um, is where that thing should hit the unloader valve. If you're not making 125 pounds, you may need to have that governor adjusted because uh, it's looking for that as kind of a, a baseline value in that electronic air dryer to make things work right and if you're not quite getting there it may maybe throw in that code so you may want to turn that up just a little bit over 125 maybe go to 130 with it if they can adjust the some of the governors you can adjust some of them you cannot okay all right all right, guys, I'll let you go so you can get somebody else. All right, Herschel, thanks sure. for the call. Have a great weekend. Hey, John? Yes. I've already <laughs> picked my program. I have to wait till August for an oh. opening, though. Okay. Yeah, so the next opening on the one. When in August? I'd have to go back and look at the date. I just looked at a bunch of them. So it's a three day, all wheel drive. Um, Looks really awesome. The courses, I, they've got maps of the tracks. The tracks look crazy. Um, looks like a lot of fun. They have, they have half-day programs. You have to wait till almost September, I think, to get some of those. They have whole-day programs, and then they have this three-day program. And I know me. If I do a half-day, I'll be whipping up my credit card and trying to get the rest of the day. And then if I could come back again the next day, I'd be back. So I might as well just go for the three-day program right in the beginning. Well, it's kind of, you said August. My month of August is pretty wide open. I'm thinking oh, wow. maybe I'll come out and join you. Yeah, maybe so, we'll talk about that. I could get my, 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 my Seattle posse to come, too. Those guys are a blast, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe we could do a whole they do some PT&E uh, yeah. field trip. Yeah. Field trip. Yeah, they do group yeah. stuff. Yeah. You have me thinking yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> Henry will get the racing juices flowing again. That's you know, right. slippery slope. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's not good. <laughs> And I uh, and I do get to um, to race one of my favorite uh, cars in Forza. They use the for the all oh, yeah? for the all wheel drive. They use the Subaru WRX. You got it. Yeah, you, you can do so, a course with rear wheel uh, drive. Seriously, too, let's, but, maybe we should look into a group thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll start huh. looking at that. Maybe we'll put something together. Okay, that looks cool. Like a lot of fun. All right. Let's uh <laughs> that sounds like uh, awesome. yeah. Yeah. Let's get back to some calls. Let's go to West Virginia. Randy, welcome to the program. How y'all doing today? Good. What's on your mind? Hey, I called y'all a while back and told you they took my Volvo away from me and made me cry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, they give me an old Mac, not an old Mac, but a Mac and that was worse than anything I ever drove in my life. Now I got a brand new Freightliner. Just picked it up Tuesday evening. And I know Joel's there and Henry's there, and I got some bad news for Henry. Uh Uh-oh. I I think Freightliner ought to go buy a Volvo and see how far ahead of them that Volvos are and do a little bit on the Freightliner. 
I'm telling you, of course, it's probably it, to take so, up for Henry because I love Henry. To take up for him, it's probably my cheap ass company that cheaped out on his truck. But, hey, hey, but it ain't nothing. I mean, it's real yeah. quick. I want to go back to something. What was wrong with the Mac? Okay. Well, I got it. My whole left elbow and everything's all bruised up where it hit the door because the door's like six or eight inches wide. You can't, they, they, got yeah. the, they got the controls on that Mac on the right side of the seat because you can't get your hand between the seat and the door to put them on the left-hand side. It has no room inside. Put a sign on it on both doors that said, caution, enclosed space. Do not enter without a permit. <laughs> maybe we need to... Yeah, uh, the, the Mac is a little... Maybe it's, it's a little narrow, there's no doubt. Maybe we need to Oh, add, my God, it's more than a little narrow. Maybe we need to add Jamie to our lineup here so we can cover Max better. Well, there you I'm go. telling you, I, I would have quit. If they told me, if they had come and said, keeping that Max from now on, I'd quit right then. I really would have. <laughs> huh. And, and this Freightliner, of course, like I say, I'm taking, I'll take it up for Henry. It, they cheaped out on it. I promise you that it doesn't. It doesn't even have a refrigerator in it. But they're going to put me one in it because I was going to quit over that. But but it has no shelves. I mean, here like a pull-out drawer. It has none. So where do you? It's got all kind of room up top and stuff where you can put stuff in. But you can't. You got to have a ladder to get up there to look in it. Oh. Where do you put your? Where do you put your groceries and stuff? So. Well, one, I have a big refrigerator with a freezer. The other is I use the cupboard above the microwave enclosure for my other groceries. Well, but that slopes slopes backwards. The inside of it, yes. Yeah, so you can't can't just – well, I'm just telling you, honest God – I tried to drove that so bottle. What I, what I did inside those cabinets, which I got this idea from Linda Cappy, which you know, back in the day, and I do it in my refrigerator too. I use curtain rods like load bars in there. Hmm. I got a I got a big closet for my clothes, but they just said, I mean, it's it's got lots of room in it compared to the Mac. And and I'm glad I'm glad I got to drive that Mac first. That made me love his freighter. The reason they have the cabinet slightly sloping to the back is so when you open the door, stuff doesn't fall out. Okay, well, see, mine don't have a door. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So that's probably it. That, that's how it was ordered. So yeah. Right. Okay. I was listening to y'all this morning. You're talking about time and distance. This freightliner tells you how far you are from somebody. And I've never dealt with with distance. I've always dealt with time, like one second, two seconds, three seconds. But this Freightliner, it just it tells you in feet. You can change that. I know. Oh, you can? Okay, I was going to ask you that. You can change Okay. That. Now, y'all talking about running 62 mile an hour. I'm coming up Fancy Gap. I set my cruise on 65 and only passed one truck, and everybody's run away from me. So that that really really works. Yeah, that 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 is correct. When yeah, yep. they're they're gonna run yeah, away that, from yeah, me. that works. Yeah, they do. Yep. Just here's another little little cheap. Go ahead. Here's another little cheap thing. 
they powder coated all the wheels, so they're you can't polish them or nothing. They're just like gray powder coat. So it looks mm-hmm. like anyway. Except all four of the inside rims are polished aluminum. <laughs> the inside's uh, polished and the outside is coated. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing for you, Kevin, and I'll let y'all go. Uh, you know, I told you I, I lost weight, but I was going to stop because I afraid my face would fall apart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I kept I kept doing what you told me to do. I kept losing weight, and you're right. I still look healthy and everything. Good. Good. Glad to hear it. Congratulations. You, you and it. Your lady friend was just exactly like. And and boys, I love y'all. I'm telling you, I love to listen to y'all's show. Oh, all right, thanks. I appreciate it. I will tell you how good I like it. Hey, yeah. I'm sitting right here outside the tunnel. I'm sitting on a ramp outside the tunnel. Because <laughs> this big AT and T phone I got loses the signal in a tunnel. And I didn't want to lose y'all. <laughs> there you go. That's dedication. I love that. Good stuff. All right. And I'll tell you something else, boys. I will see you. I will see you at the truck show. Well, not me. You won't. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. I know. I know. It's disappointed me, but uh, yeah. I'll get to see my two heroes anyway. There you go. <laughs> All right. Talk to you soon. Hey, if anybody hears if anybody hears any strange noises on the audio, it's just me watching rally videos on Dirtfish. So don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, you, you said that with all this here, you could just check out. There I know. Go. That's right. Well, that whole call, I had no idea what he talked about. I was watching rally videos the whole time. So <laughs> let's. So, Joe, when do you get out to Mid America? Uh, I'll be there Sunday at some point. Oh, you have a whole I week. I got to get out there Saturday night. Yeah, you guys yep, have a whole week. Too. Yeah. I'm on my yeah. way now. So this Sunday? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there this Sunday. I've got to do a, a ride and drive with a couple of uh, magazine guys in Columbus on Saturday, and um, and then Sunday I'm going to head down to Mid-America. Good yeah. deal. When's Make the show sure actually open? Low. Thursday? Next Thursday? What's that? Not till Thursday, okay. Make sure your fuel is low, Joel, which is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, that's... Thing. I, I, I have a single Part, tank, and I wasn't thinking about it when I came home to Laredo. Uh, same, and same I, thing. And I and I filled it up, and I'm like, you know, I may not be low enough on get all the way up to Louisville. I mean, I done problem, the right? same damn thing before I got into my rental. I've got the same single 150, and without thinking, I filled my purple truck up, and then I'm thinking, what the hell did I just do? And now I got a. Part of the reason why I'm doing it Saturday with the reporters is we're going to try and burn <laughs> as much fuel as we you can know, so I can get into the damn show without having to pump any out of the truck. One of the worst. Well, yeah, I have like 1,300 miles to go, and I don't think I'm going to have it quite low enough. <laughs> one of the. Why well, we just drive around the loop a few times? <laughs> one of the worst quite truck show times. experiences I had was in Dallas the first year we wanted to put the signature truck in there, and I'm coming into Dallas and I decide to stop and fill up the truck. So after the show, I won't have to mess with it right then. I mean, I was probably 10 miles away when I filled up and I get there and they, you, you got to get all this fuel out of your tanks. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. 
and it was 110 degrees. That, yeah, it was like 110 degrees, yeah. and I'm out there walking around the parking lot offering fuel to people. Just pull your truck over. I'll pump it into your tanks. It was yep. horrible. Well, I remember that yeah. well. Oh, what, that, yeah, that was frustrating. You know, you would think that when you sign, maybe it was somewhere in the vendor paperwork, but they should make that very, very clear. Because there were a lot of people in that position that they had no idea they, that that was a rule. There was some people that got bargains on fuel that day. I remember that well. Absolutely. I was giving some away <laughs> just to get it out of my tanks because what else do you do with it? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's grab some more calls here before they turn off the power on us. Let's go to Texas. John, welcome to the program. <laughs> yeah, thanks for taking my call. I have a story about uh, about my IFTA account. I got a letter in the mail saying that, that my IFTA and IRP was going to be audited. And let's say I've got it on a Monday afternoon. Well, I wanted to get all the stuff in early, so I had it all finished by, say, Tuesday morning. And... The man that was in charge of it, he left his business card in it. I called him and we got to talking about it and make sure I had everything that he needed. And I asked him, I said, by the way, could I ask you what, what triggered this audit for my Ifton IRP? And he got to looking at it and he said, it's your fuel mileage. They, they don't believe it's that good. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you, kind of to, you kind of have to be careful, I think, and uh, make sure you have all your documentation because you're, you're guilty until proven innocent, I guess. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. you are. You're bringing back a story on me. Mine, I kept getting audited every quarter in North Carolina. And then they did a three-year audit where they went way back through and dug through everything. And when I was talking to the lady that was in charge of doing it, I said, how did they pick this? And she said, oh, it's purely random. I said, what is it, purely random of the semi-trucks that are doing better than 10 miles of the gallon in the state of North Carolina? Which <laughs> yeah, that'll be you one. every quarter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. And this, this was probably... Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Matt went through an IFTA audit as well, and he gets really high fuel economy. I wouldn't be surprised if that is one of the criteria for picking them. Well, I think Steve's been through this as well, and Steve he also has. had trouble yeah. with Landstar. Oh, Landstar never, I, never believed that he was getting the mileage he got, and he'd have to literally dump fuel off, and, and, and he had stored it at home and put it in his Volkswagen, and yeah, now, so there I, was always a I, rather. I have the original story for that. I was the first one that ran into that with FedEx. And the first time I ran into it was at like seven and a half miles to the gallon. This goes way back to the early 90s. They they got me on this. And here's what happens. If you fall outside of their acceptable range, and at the time their acceptable top was seven, and I was doing like seven, four, something like that in the early 90s on that Volvo. If you dropped out of the range, they bumped you back to the fleet average, which blew me away. At FedEx, it was like 4.9. What the hell is with that? How could the fleet average at FedEx have been that bad? But you have to pay all the additional fuel tax then out of your pocket. Right. So they were hitting me with these big penalties every quarter. 
went to management. I'm like, look, I'm doing everything you would want me to do. That's why I'm getting this good fuel economy. All my drivers are Smith trained for safety, which is a good fuel mileage way to drive. My trucks are all going slow. I'm doing all the things you would want me to do, and you're penalizing me for it. And then they they moved it to 7.5, and then, you know, a year later, I broke that, and we had to go through the whole damn thing again, and then they tried to tell me it was Pennsylvania that put these rules on them, and it wasn't. It was their internal software that was the problem. And we've been fighting with that ever since. They'll bump it up, and then, you know, we'll break that, and then it started happening at Landstar, and there was a time where I were telling people, if, if you can't... If you can't solve this within the company, go get your own IFTA account. You know, you have to do the paperwork then and you have to file the reports, but then you can control that. Now you might get audited, but at least you have some control over it. It was funny, Kevin, part of, because I get audited so often, I let somebody else do my fuel taxes so I don't have to be there for these audits. Yeah, good idea. And part of it was, she said to me, can you send me every magazine your truck's been in about the fuel mileage it gets? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You know, the other thing I've been telling yeah. people for, for a long time, I used to recommend ProMile. Well, I still do. I think ProMile is still awesome software. It hasn't changed much in about 20 years, but it doesn't need to. ProMiles is the, where you can put in, you know, I'm, I'm in Portland today and I'm going to Austin. And where is the best fuel price right this minute? It does all the tax calculations for you. So you're looking at the right price and it tells you the exact truck stop. That alone, if you, if you use that consistently is a huge savings for the year. But the other thing, then ProMiles also has the fuel tax side for reporting. If you use their system, your fuel tax is just about done at the end of the quarter. And the last time I checked, I think it was 38 states use ProMile software for their audit. So if you're using the software and you did everything right, it comes down to the gallon and the mile it's exact when they audit it. So how does that work on the pricing, Kevin? Because... You know, obviously, use a discount card, which makes it nice on my discount card. It has with and without tax, so it makes comparing so the is, price real easy. Is your discount card a cents off discount or a cost plus discount? It cost plus, and it changes every day. Yeah, if it's cost it's plus, there's there. Yeah, so there's you can still use Pro Miles, and you can still get the correct calculations. But we can't do it ahead of time, obviously, with, with Cost Plus. So it's a little trickier. With a cents-off right. discount, it's super easy. In fact, a lot of them are already built right in. I mean, you can even pick your card and it knows the discount. But on Cost Plus, we don't know what the cost is till we buy the fuel. Well, this was about six weeks ago, so I haven't heard anything back. So I, I guess I'm in the clear. But that is the other thing about... Um, People talk about running paper logs and things. It's sure nice. I've got a keep truck, and I guess it's motive now. But I'm a stick member also. And with you know, when you've got all that, you can go back and all your trip sheets, and then go into uh, going to Nastic or, or Fleet One, and you know, I, within right. ten minutes, I had because they from 2021, 10 minutes, I had everything you wanted in 
sent it to him in PDF and he goes, Oh, could you give it to me in Excel? I was like, Oh, no problem. <laughs> you know, one click of the mouse and he's got it all in Excel. And, um, so it, it, one other thing, I had one other quick story. We talk about driving slow. I was going between Memphis and Nashville on 40 and the minimum speed limit's 50. I was going 57 and I knew the customer I was going to. So I was really in no hurry. It's going to be hours ahead of time anyway. And I passed a Tennessee, Tennessee state trooper and he pulled me over and, uh, I thought, what am I doing? And he, he looked in my passenger window and the first thing he said, he goes, why are you driving so slow? <laughs> I said, well, am I doing something wrong? I thought the minimum was 50. And he said, yes, it is, but it's just unusual behavior. <laughs> and so I, I told him why. Well, I don't know. I, I just thought it, you'd think if you were doing something wrong, you'd try to act like everybody else and drive 70, not stand out. But uh, I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, it he is. He thought it was unusual. I was driving. There's, there's a state trooper down here that you can appreciate. He looks at 75 mile an hour speed limit down here on I-35 heading south of San Antonio down to Laredo and he'll ride in front of a truck that's doing 62 and catch the people that are flying by. I see him doing that oh, all okay. the time. He'll, he finds a slow truck and just rides ahead of it. I, I just came from there. I just spent the night at the Henry Albert truck stop this week and just got a load out of Laredo and come back to Indiana. Very good. All right. Well, appreciate it guys. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's, where are we going this time? We're going to go to Maryland. Tom, welcome to the program. Yeah, hey, hey guys. I have a question for uh, Henry. The other uh, couple weeks ago, you were talking about that fleet that was getting 10 miles or 9 miles a gallon for a fleet. I wondered if you'd never said the name of them. Is that something you can share? Well, it's pretty widely known. Fleet that's known for doing really well on fuel, Nuss Bomb. Nuss Bomb? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Good. Good to know. Well, uh, oh, uh, Kevin, I'm all over the board here, but uh, when they're talking about a digital currency, they're not talking about the Bitcoin and all that. They're talking about the dollar. They're going to do away with like cash. Oh, no. They're going to be able to track whatever you spend out of your bank account. Right. No, that is a Bitcoin is a digital currency. So is Doge and all the others. Those are digital currencies. The difference yeah. is those are independent. They're they're have yeah. nothing to right. do with any right. government. Yeah. What what people are now getting worried about are these governments that want to move to digital con- currencies that they control. Well, they'll just control. They'll just pass a law and control them anyway. If they, if no, they I, exactly. Person. I know. Yeah, I agree. And and, and then uh, one, yeah, it's just yeah. You know that that's what they'll do. Yeah. Um. And then there was another thing. Is about a month ago, I had to get an Uber, and some old man picked me up. Uh, it was sort of funny. He said, "Yeah, I used to drive a truck. He must have been eighty-five, you know, and." He was a logger for a while, and, and he still had pretty big arms, and, and I was just thinking to myself, my God, man, that was probably in the 40s. I couldn't even imagine driving one of those things through the mountains logging, you know, back then. You know, what would you, what'd you guys have, 130 horsepower? And anyway, he was driving an old or a, a brand-new, uh, like, Ford Fusion that was 
both battery and engine. How come how come trucks aren't and so, so when the battery runs out, the engine kicks on and charges the battery, and then you run on the uh, just you know the fuel for a while. Wait, I, is it a weight I just, issue? Well, I just had this discussion actually with a with a group of engineers that were were kind of working on this. So one of the reasons regenerative braking hasn't seemed to really have caught on in the United States to the degree that it has in in Europe or in cars versus trucks is that. Um, we just don't have the same opportunity to use it on downgrades and whatnot. And if you're not driving around town where you're coming to a stop a lot, to regenerate the electric to charge the batteries is very difficult. If we use the alternator on the engine to generate electric for the batteries, there's efficiency losses through there. So it's very, very difficult to charge the batteries efficiently. Now, there are some, some weight concerns there, but, you know, the technology is coming along where it's really being addressed to a large degree. I'm going to try to do this with a bunch of solar up on the roof of the truck in combination or on the roof of the trailer. I think we're going to get seven kilowatts out of that. We're also going to do some, some really in-depth management on the power usage. So the the electric assist is only kicking in when you're on a certain grade and we're going to use some regenerative braking, I think as well, but it's a, it's definitely a trick over here to make the hybrid concept work. It can easily be done, but to do it where there's an advantage that justifies the cost and the extra weight, that's a, that's a whole trick in of itself. So, not as easy as what you would think and much more complex and difficult than in a car to make this work. Okay. Joe, and then Kevin, a- adding to what you said, where I've heard that they've had really great success with it's not our type of duty cycle, but refuse trucks that are in the city. Y- yes, yes. Uh, it, it's great. Yes. Plus, their brakes start lasting forever, where I never realized how often a refuse truck Oh my God! Oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah, they were eating brakes. They'd do you know three brake jobs a year on a refuse truck. It was it would be horrible. So it's a it's a huge advantage in a in an application like that. It's just uh, very very difficult to balance all the things that you need to consider in a hybrid truck and an on highway vehicle and uh, get the benefit that you're looking for. It's not an easy thing all to right, do. Uh, no, no, not easy at all. That's why it's not done. Kevin and I were talking about this a couple of years ago, and then the solar panels, you're just going to put them on the roof of your, why couldn't you just plaster, because you're changing directions all the time, and I don't know anything about solar panels, but we were talking about plastering the whole trailer with solar panels. Well, Merlin Solar, Merlin Solar has a unique panel that works in very low light conditions, and it works well with scattered light. And we will probably be looking at that. They're going to give me a couple of engineers that kind of specialize in what you're talking about on panels that need to collect with scattered light conditions. I don't know enough about it to get into a real detailed conversation yet. I'm Sorry. assuming by the time I'm ready to roll this project out, I'll have a much better idea of if that's feasible or possible. So Whatever I can share going forward, I, I will in regard to this. I, I don't know how much of a clamp they're going to put on me, but uh, I'll know in the next couple of weeks as we get this project kicked off. And, and we're going to try it, whether we succeed or not. Who the hell knows? And 
Kevin, do you remember we were talking about uh, uh, the the battery doesn't doesn't necessarily have to stay with the with the tractor. So if you stuck a battery in the middle of the trailer, I don't know. You know what well, I mean? Again, that's uh, so that's a little one of the issue. right. That's the one of the things that we're looking at doing. Possibly right. even okay. doing a ten foot spread on the trailer, so we can put forty thousand right. pounds back there and putting batteries between the spread possibly we're looking yeah. at a lot of different yeah. options and the one thing that i see as an advantage of putting the battery on the trailer when that trailer's setting in a customer's drop lot it's no longer a liability because it's collecting energy and it's it's exactly. essentially making exactly. fuel sitting there when the sun so there's some potential there um how far we can take it i guess we're going to find out Let's think about this. Right, right. Great, great idea. Other than weight issues, that's probably the biggest factor here, because I don't even think cost is a hindrance here at all. Weight is probably the biggest. Why aren't we turning trailers into power stations? I mean, that's really what they should be. We've got that huge flat surface up there. a A lot of discussion about this right now doing exactly that. I think it's the durability of the solar panel and its ability to collect power in scattered light situations. I think that's key here. I know that Merlin is really working overtime on that type of solution. Essentially, you could pull a trailer into someplace, plug it into a into the power grid, and offload the energy it collected while it had been setting for several weeks. You know, and, and well, think, let's think about it, this. So. Why, why don't we, you know, certainly carriers that have docks would do this, but I don't see why mm-hmm. we couldn't do mm-hmm. this throughout the country, that when you back into a dock, there's a plug there for your trailer. And think about all the mm-hmm. warehouses with trailers sitting around at docks. They would all be solar collectors now. Oh, absolutely. It'd be a new way to get, be a new way to get detention time, Kevin. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that was a uh, that that was an early concept of uh, of uh, Elon Musk's of, of Tesla's deal was to put uh, battery packs and solar all over trailers. I don't and know have why that, we're not. You really? know, power the, yeah. the EV truck. You know, you you hook on. You know, wherever they're parked and being loaded, whatever they're charging, they're charging, they're charging, and you know, you solar or and you plug them in. And then hook on I, and hook oh, it onto the truck and it's oh, part of your deal. I, so, yeah. I could probably bring one of the engineers on on the solar side at some point if you would like to talk to Absolutely. some guy that knows this stuff inside and out. Yeah, let's do that. So I'll see if I can set that up so, and, and we'll bring him on. And Let's think about something like this for a what second. What about wireless, it, Kevin? Remember about, the, remember about the wireless at the docks, Kevin? You were talking about that before. Oh, yeah. So instead of even having yeah. to plug it in then you're just sitting on top of your charger just like your phone. Well, there's technology already being worked on with microcharges at every traffic light. You would get microcharges right from the pavement sitting there. There's technology where they might charge driving on the pavement. Let's think about something right now, though. We know it's going to be a long time before electric is fully integrated into trucking, but Frito-Lay is one of the early adopters of this. They already have the Teslas on the road. Their freight is so lightweight that why wouldn't they be able to just load up a trailer with battery and solar and they could create all kinds of range? Right. 
Sure. Yeah, I don't think there's there's any doubt about that. They just have to measure the payoff between right. losing cubes for because they cube out on everything, and is it worth it in their calculation? They'd have to figure that all out. But that the idea, the concept that you're talking about is being actively pursued in the industry, kind of behind the curtain. I don't know that a a lot of people are aware of it. I just happen to get get to talk to a couple people that are directly involved with that type of concept. Let's collect it. Let's put it in a battery on a trailer. And if we need to, we can pump it in the grid if you're not using it in a hybrid truck system. So also Siemens has a really, really, John, you'd love this thing, has a really cool, essentially an add-on turbo compounding unit that um, uses the heat out of the exhaust and it creates a temperature differential and it's pulling the energy out and turning an alternator. And they want to be involved in this. And that supposedly is another 7KW that we could bring online just on waste that. exhaust heat. Yeah. Ah, interesting. I thought of that. Yeah, so they've ago. got it. They've, yeah. they've got that out there. I was actually invited down to a seminar that they're having in, I think, Miami or camp i don't remember which I, I just don't have time to get down to this one but a really cool smaller setup would fit easily on the truck and it has some pretty high high power outputs with you know the, the exhaust temperatures that that we run and you're you're just ca- no modification to the engine or the right. after treatment system this is all after the fact right at the tailpipe it just grabs that heat and essentially it, it can right. extract the heat, turn it into mechanical energy and turn an alternator. And it's, it's a very, very slick system. It was just sitting there making electricity. That's there you good. Go. The uh, guys from CMU that started highly on had that on their radar way back when 2015 or 16, I think I first started talking to them and you know, there, there were, I had seen some downstream turbine based, you know, alternators that were, our, I wouldn't say on the market for that purpose, but things like that existed, you know, to convert that 